It is Saturday, April 3rd, 2021. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Life Podcast. As long as I have been doing podcasting, I've been doing podcasting since 2006. Now, this podcast, the LDS Life Podcast, started in March of... Two th- uh, no, started at the end of February 2016. However, I have been doing podcasting in some fashion or another ever since 2006. I was doing podcasting before podcasting was cool. I was actually listening to podcasts before podcasting was cool. You'd be surprised what used to be out there as uh, for podcasts before Apple and podcast applications made their way to the iPhone and Droid. But as long as I've been doing a podcast, I've never done one twice in one week, ever. But I guess to quote the country song, there's a first time for everything. I thought I would come out here before General Conference and just expand on the BYU Honor Code, or at least obeying it or whatever, and Democrats. Since I did talk about Elder Uchtdorf donating money to the Joe Biden campaign, which I find highly disturbing. I want to talk more about BYU, though, because it occurred to me after I published my podcast on Friday morning, early Friday morning, that there is something I did not talk about. And I hope that we are over this mentality as church members. I don't know that we are based on a conversation I had with one of my cousins who lived outside of Utah for about 10 years. He lived in Maryland. I'm not sure that we are over this mentality, and I find it highly disturbing, and we need to talk about it. Evidently, there's this mentality in the church amongst parents that my kids must go to BYU because It is the Lord's University. BYU used to be called Brigham Young Academy. I don't know if any of you know that. BYU did not turn into a university until 2003, just to give you a little bit of background. And I wouldn't be surprised if BYU changes its name to Ensign University because LDS Business College has changed its name to Enzyme College. I'm not saying they will, but I wouldn't be surprised. Now, maybe it will be for political reasons that they change the name to Enzyme University, which is kind of a scary thought when you consider that EU is Enzyme University, and it also is the same letters as the European Union. But nonetheless, I digress. The point is, they may change it, but the... BYU used to be called Brigham Young Academy. And then in 1903, it changed to a university. And I remember growing up, it was my parents' dream for one of my sisters to attend BYU. In fact, my mom told me they wouldn't pay for her education unless she went to BYU. Now, parents have the right to do that. I may not agree with it, 
but they have that right to do that. But I'm afraid there's too many parents in the church who think that their kids have to go to BYU, which is simply not true. Now, I don't want to get into the reasons as to why my mom came up to the conclusion that she would not pay for her education unless she went to BYU, but I think there's too many parents with this mentality, and I think that's why there are certain young adults that go to BYU that don't want to be there. And I still maintain, if you're one of those people, just follow the rules until you get out. And if you still have the mentality that you did when you went in there, then when you get out, do what you want. But you don't have to go to BYU, and I'm talking to mostly parents and a little bit to the young adults. You don't have to send your kid to BYU to be a good church member. I talked to my cousin about the honor code and other things last year at around this time, and he told me you would be surprised how many parents are insistent that they send their kids to BYU. Again, my cousin lived in Maryland for a little over 10 years. I was actually disturbed to hear that. Because there are plenty of good schools. Now, if the idea is, I want my kids around more Latter-day Saints, okay, I get that. But, you know, you can send them to other schools, such as the University of Utah, Utah State, Southern Utah University. There's a bunch of places you can send your kids where they're around plenty of Latter-day Saint people. Gosh, you could send them to Arizona. There's a... Colleges in Arizona where there's plenty of Latter-day Saints. As a matter of fact, I know a person who lived in New Orleans, Louisiana, or around there. I don't know the exact city. He went to Arizona State University because he didn't want to follow the trend of going to BYU. He's a good member of the church, went on a mission, got married in the temple, and he's from Louisiana. And he just said he didn't want to be around people at BYU who thought they had to be there. He wanted to be around people who were good Latter-day Saints that wanted to be at a university because they wanted to be. Not that there's anybody at BYU who's not there because they want to be. Obviously there are. I'm talking to the 2 or 3% of you folks who think you have to send your kids there. And I think that's why there is a little bit of rebellious behavior going on. That doesn't excuse the behavior, but I get it. You know, when I went to, I, like I said, I never was a student at BYU. However, I did have a friend who went to UVSC, which used to be Utah Valley State College. Now it's called Utah Valley University, UVU. But they had BYU-approved housing in Orem. I'm not going to mention the name of the apartment. But when I'd go down to see them on weekends, occasionally, it might as well have been a fraternity. Because in his particular apartment, you had... 
men and women sleeping with each other. Not everybody, but certain roommates of one one particular roommate of his slept with his girlfriend, and they would sleep together in his apartment. You know, because my friend and this guy were roommates. And there was a little bit of drinking going on at his apartment and so forth. My friend was never involved in it, but he told me that, and I was there when uh, him and his girlfriend were sleeping with each other. That is my friend's roommate. I didn't say anything, because I, I, I didn't live there, and B, I figured they were adults, and but if they got caught, they knew the honor code. They knew what they were getting into, but I wonder... And I worry about some of the rebellious behavior going on because of parents having this mentality. I think we need to talk more to the parents saying, you don't have to go to BYU to be a good member. And maybe it's more out of Utah, because I, you know, I know plenty of people in Utah that did not go to BYU that were good members of the church. Maybe it's like my cousin said, it's, it's more of the mentality outside of Utah. Maybe not so much outside of Utah as much as it is, as it is outside of the Intermountain West. But I still maintain the fact that if you're going to go to BYU, regardless of the reason, whether parents are forcing you or not, You better obey the honor code, because if not, there's consequences. And I forgot to say this on my last podcast, but I do believe those who wrote the honor code at BYU did the LGBTQ community a great disservice because they took out the homosexual part of the honor code where it talks about how you, how a person cannot show affectionate behavior to a same-sex couple. You know, same-sex couples cannot show affectionate behavior. Now, some people told me, well, did they really have to put that in there? Yes. Here's why. First of all, it was in there in the beginning, so when it was taken out, there was a lot of confusion. And let's face it, we're in a day and age where we have to define a lot of things. Because of the law, attorneys, whatever. We are in a day and age where we have to define a lot of terms, like it or not. And since that statement about same-sex couples showing affection was in the honor code, taking it out did cause some chaos. So yes, they should have kept it in there. This is why I keep coming back to the statement, I do believe that there are people in the Honor Code office who are trying to undermine BYU and change it. Not everybody, but there's a group of people in that office, a group of professors. I talked about this on the last podcast. So yes, they did the LGBTQ community a great disservice by taking that out of the Honor Code. Now, here's another reason why I think that they should not have taken that out. Imagine me being a conservative, which many of you know that I am. Yes, I have some liberal leanings, but I am 
I would say 80% conservative. In fact, I'm more conservative on some issues than others. Anybody who knows me can tell you that. But the point is, imagine me and a group of people preaching conservatism at BYU. One day, I have to sign a paper. Let's just keep it on the honor code here since we're talking about the honor code. One day, it comes into the, uh, it's in the honor code that I cannot preach politics at BYU. Well, since I'm a student there, I have to sign it. Imagine a year goes by and that particular statement is no longer in the honor code. Well, I'm a little confused, and I asked the honor code, can I teach, can I preach politics? Can I preach conservatism? And they said, yes. So I do. And then the church comes back two weeks later. Oh, you can't talk about politics. You can't preach politics at BYU. We'll then put it in the honor code. Get my point? That's why, yes, the same-sex affection clause or statement or whatever should be in the honor code and should have never been taken out, ever, because it caused a lot of chaos during that two weeks. Just as anything else in the... If they took out the part about facial hair, well, you'd have a lot of people growing facial hair unless the church said not to. You get my point? Now, I do want to talk a little bit about Elder Uchtdorf and him donating money to Joe Biden. I want to finish up on that topic. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes things happening uh, because I had to do research on my own, and I had to come up with a bunch of quotes, and I was in a hurry to get a podcast out because I didn't get one out the previous week. And I really am trying to get better at publish, publishing a podcast once a week because I know that that's going to generate a lot of followers. The more consistent you are, the more followers you're going to have. And by the way, while I'm on that topic, do me a favor. If you like what you hear, go to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and, make, and uh, write a good review. And give me a good rating because that will boost the notoriety of this podcast. I'm just saying. But back to Elder Uchtdorf donating money to BYU. I know that there have been general authorities that are Democrats in the past. I can name a few. I can name two. James E. Faust and Hubie Brown. I'm sure there were others, but those are the two. Yes, John Taylor was a Democrat too. So there's three that were in the Quorum of the Twelve. I even understand that President Hinckley, even though he was a Republican, he was more liberal than Ezra Taft Benson and J. Reuben Clark, which actually doesn't surprise me all that much for some reason. Although President Hinckley, I think, was 
pretty conservative. But there are three people who I mentioned that were Democrats, but let me reemphasize this. The Democrats were a lot different back then. I could have been a Democrat back in the 50s, 60s. Maybe even on up to the mid-90s, I could have been a Democrat. I used to be a Democrat, by the way, for a while. From about 2002 to 2010, I was a Democrat. But then I woke up. We'll go, we'll go there later. But the Democrats are so radical today. And I'm talking about those at the top. The Joe Bidens, Kamala Harris's. I still don't see how any good member of this church, whether they're in the Quorum of the Twelve or not, could vote for a Democrat. I really don't. Yes, I realize Democrats were for abortion back in the 60s, but there were enough Democrats who weren't. And like I said in the last podcast, we had plenty of conservative Democrats out there. I name-dropped With, uh, I I name dropped some of the Democrats in Idaho, you know, because I grew up in Eastern Oregon and Idaho. And I was exposed to a lot of Idaho politics growing up in Eastern Oregon because I got mostly Idaho news. So I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. And since I mentioned Glenn Beck very briefly, I told you that there was a reason why Glenn Beck did not send his, uh, said that he would not send his kids to BYU. Let me just talk about Glenn Beck for a few minutes. Now, Glenn Beck does not have the following that he once did. But since I bought him up, I may as well talk about him. I used to be an ardent fan of Glenn Beck, an ardent supporter. I was even a subscriber to the Blaze TV. Way back when it was GBTV, I was a subscriber. So from 2011, when it all started up until 2015, I was an I was a very staunch supporter of the Blaze TV and Glenn Beck for that matter. I even went to a 912 rally. Glenn Beck wasn't there, but there was a 912 rally that I went to back in 2000 uh 2010 I believe is what it was. Yeah. No, 2009. When I was starting to wake up, still a uh, still a Democrat, but I I was open to the other side, so I went to the rally. I even went and saw Glenn Beck speak in two thousand eight. So I was a real ardent fan of Glenn Beck, even when I disagreed with him politically. There were reasons for that that I won't get into because it'd take too long. But the point is, I was a huge fan of Glenn Beck. And while I think Glenn Beck is genuinely conservative and gets into issues much deeper than Rush Limbaugh did and Sean Hannity does and many others, 
I have trust issues with Glenn Beck. And the only reason I'm mentioning this is because I briefly mentioned his name in my last podcast. And while I agreed with what he said about BYU, I just don't want people thinking, oh, Kevin's a Glenn Beck fan. So I'm, I'm just going to set the record straight here. I do have trust issues with Glenn Beck. I'll tell you why. Remember in 2014, we had the Bundy standoff in Bunkerville, Nevada. Remember when the BLM backed down? Go back and listen to my interview with Ammon Bundy, part one. It's all there. I don't, I'm not going to get into it. It's, you can already go listen to it. But remember when all that happened and the BLM backed down? Well, on Monday, that following Monday, which was April 14th, Glenn Beck got on the radio and he talked about the Bundys as though they were awfully violent or planning a terrorist attack, which is simply not true. He was, it was as though he was reading talking points from CNN or something. And this made me very livid with Glenn, because Glenn Beck is a rancher himself. I don't know if you know that. He owns a ranch in eastern Idaho, just outside of Preston. He knows what the Bundys have gone through. He knows what they go through because of grazing fees and whatnot. He knows all this. And yet he was slamming them and treating them as though they were terrorists. Glenn Beck knows better than that. He knows a lot better than that. You know, and he was telling his audience to stay away from them and all these things. That's when I really, that's when I began to lose trust in Glenn. Although I still thought that there was enough good in him to the point where I kept my subscription because it was coming up for renewal and I just went ahead and renewed it because I thought that there was still enough good in Glenn Beck to renew my subscription. But the other thing that rubbed me the wrong way is when Cliven made a statement, and I'm quoting here, quote, I'm wondering if Negroes were better off as slaves than today, or something to that effect. But he, he said mostly what I just said. And... Glenn Beck was talking about Cliven like he was a major racist. The funny thing about that is there was actually an African-American on Cliven's ranch that was guarding it. And I know this because, A, I heard him interviewed on a talk show. B, I talked to Cliven about it. When I met him in Mesquite, Nevada. And Glenn was talking about Cliven like he was a major racist. But yet, in 2011, shortly after Glenn started his TV network, he was defending Randy Weaver and talking about the standoff at Ruby Ridge. Randy Weaver was, and still is, a white separatist, meaning he did not believe blacks and whites are... Blacks and other cultures should mingle with each other. Different people with different skin color should mingle with each other. Now, I don't believe that. 
But Randy Weaver has a right to believe that if he wants to. He has every right to believe that. But Glenn Beck was talking about Cliven like uh, he was a major racist, but yet he was defending Randy Weaver in 2011 when he bought somebody on his TV show to interview him about Ruby Ridge and Waco. So I don't think Glenn Beck is as trustworthy as some of you might think he is. What really got under my skin was him being against Donald Trump. I know he's come around since then, but I'm a little suspicious about that too. Glenn Beck came around partly, I believe, because the NRA has an office in the Blaze Building. As you know, the NRA is very pro-Trump for good reasons. I think part of what happened is the NRA got a hold of him and said, you are going to be for Trump or we're leaving your building. Obviously, the NRA is paying him good enough money to have a room or an office in his building. So I, while I think Glenn is genuinely a conservative, I don't trust him like you might think. The other thing that bothered me about Glenn Beck and still does bother me about him is while he was anti-Trump, two days before the election, he had on a Constitutional Party candidate. This is back in 2016, by the way. He had on a Constitutional candidate named Daryl Castle. Now, if Glenn would have endorsed Daryl Castle, he could have redeemed himself just a little bit, not much, but just a little bit, on being anti-Donald Trump. Nope. What did he do? The day after he had Daryl Castle on, he endorsed Evan McMullen. What an idiot. What an idiot. What a real idiot Glenn was at that time. What a real idiot. Evan McMullen, I don't even know what his platform was. I didn't pay attention to him because I knew he wouldn't win, but I knew who Daryl Castle was because enough people told me about him, and I researched him a little bit. I know for sure Evan McMullen was not the conservative that Daryl Castle was and still is. Had he endorsed Daryl Castle the eve of the election of 2016, I might have reconsidered some of my thoughts about Glenn Beck. But no, Glenn had to go where the money went. And for being anti-Trump and voting for Evan McMullen, he paid for it dearly, didn't he? I don't think he's going to get nearly the subscribers that he once had before. Remember, I don't know if uh, this was mentioned in the interview with Jeanette Finnicum, but remember, well, I don't know if you know this, Lavoie Finnicum was an advent supporter of Glenn Beck, a real adamant supporter of Glenn Beck, much like me, until he started knocking Clive and Bundy. So even though Glenn Beck said some things about BYU and I sympathize with him for not wanting to send his kids to BYU, 
Glenn Beck is not all that he's cracked up to be. I'm just saying, because I know that there are some major Glenn Beck fans out there who happen to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Just know, Glenn Beck is still an opportunist, and I believe is probably a little bit more concerned about money than the message. I don't make any money out of the, on this podcast. I would like to, but I'd also wait around for the right opportunity. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I'm more worried about getting the message out there than I am the money. Which is why I haven't made any money, because I'm very picky about who would advertise on this show. Or this podcast. See? I'm more concerned about the message. I'm more concerned about what's right instead of making big bucks off of this. Don't get me wrong, like I'd love to make money off this podcast, but it has to be the right opportunity and it has to be the right advertisers. And if I said something that made them mad, well, too bad. That's why this podcast doesn't make money right now. I'm running this at a very low budget. But that's okay, because I'm able to get the word out there. I have a decent microphone. It's not the top-of-the-line microphone, but it's decent. I have a miniature soundboard that plugs into the computer. And if you hear previous podcasts, let's say from, oh, I don't know, a year ago, a year and a half ago... I think this, these, this podcast sounds much better in terms of the quality of microphone that I'm using. But the point is, I'm more concerned about the message than the money, unlike Glenn Beck. So I just want you to know, while Glenn Beck says some good things, while I think he's genuinely a conservative, do not put all of your trust in him, please. I made that mistake before. It didn't work. And I'm only bringing him up because I mentioned him briefly, and I know there's fans out there, oh, Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck, what, 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 what? Yeah, be aware. Glenn Beck is not all that he's cracked up to be, folks. I would love to meet Glenn Beck and talk to him about these issues. I would love to meet Glenn Beck for many other reasons, but just know he is not as cracked up as some of you might think he is. Anyway, I will talk to you in a few days here. In the meantime, have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy General Conference. We'll talk about it next week. Mary Lou?